We're in a series of messages we are calling Skeptic, where we are answering questions that a skeptic uh, would ask of us as Christians. Two weeks ago, we looked at the question of why we say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Last week, we looked at why a loving God would uh, send people to hell. This week, the question is really, uh, it's really a different kind of question. Uh, it's not really a question of the mind. It's not a question of intellect. Uh, you cannot rationalize your way in answering the question that we are looking at this morning. Actually, I think it is a fair, very fair question. It is a legitimate question that has a certain amount of truth to this. It's really indefensible in a lot of ways. If uh, all the Christians that I know are hypocrites, or the Christians that I know are hypocrites, then why would I want to become one? If my neighbor, my coworker, or my friend who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ but has the same values that I have, that treats people uh, unfairly, unjustly, if they party the same way I do, if they live with the same greedy values that I have, then why would I want to become a Christian? It just seems to me that this person's life is not changed at all by the faith that they claim to have. And that's a great question. Mahatma Gandhi uh, once said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. When you read that, think about that, it's such a stab in the heart, really, of what he was saying. I, I want to begin this morning with a definition of terms, because to some degree, I think this is kind of where we get hung up, and I'm going to differentiate between two terms, the term sinners and the term hypocrite. Um, these two words are often confused when people begin to think about those, but think about it like this. Sinner is the generic term, while hypocrite is the species. Hypocrite is a category of sinner. Think about it like this. This is a true statement, that all hypocrites are sinners. That is true. But the second statement, or the reverse of that statement, to say all sinners are hypocrites, that is not true. Uh, one of the fundamental understandings of being a true Christian is that you are a sinner. If you do not realize that you're a sinner, you cannot come to Jesus Christ. We all fall short of God's standard in our life, and in order for us to come to Christ, we have to understand that we are a sinner. That's why we need a Savior. If we are not sinners, then we do not need a Savior. We do not come to, the, to, be, uh, come to our Savior by good works. We do not come to our Savior by, by doing a list of things. We only come through repentance and faith and receive salvation as a free gift that is offered by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Someone who does not understand this looks at a person who claims to be a Christian and says he is sinning, she is sinning, therefore he or she must be a hypocrite. I just want to show you a couple of statements of logic to kind of, kind of, kind of help us think through this. This is not on your handout, but it is on the slide this morning. The first is, just look at this statement. The church is full of sinners. That is a true statement. The second part of that statement, hypocrites are sinners. True statement. But the last part of that statement that says, therefore, the church is full of hypocrites is very faulty logic. We know that in some other categories. We, we have no question about that. Now, when I, when I bring up another category of sin, you would say, well, that, that makes sense. Let me, let's look at the next one. 
The church is full of sinners. We said that's true. Murderers are sinners. That is certainly true. But then it is not necessarily true that you come back to the end and say, therefore, the church is full of murderers, right? You see the logic that is there, and that's where we kind of get confused. Hypocrisy is simply a category of sin. The church is full of sinners, but the church is not necessarily full of hypocrites. So hypocrisy, what is it? Here's the definition. Hypocrisy is simply a pretense of a moral character or religious beliefs that one does not really possess. The word hypocrite originated in, uh, in, in the uh, acting theater. A good hypocrite is one that can get on a stage and act out a part that makes it very convincing that they are actually the character that they are acting out. All of us kind of understand how that goes. If you've ever seen a movie, people are playing parts. That is, that is hypocrisy. That is, that is the definition. I want to think for a second about the reality of hypocrisy. It is true in your notes. It is true hypocrisy is alive and well in the church. Do you know Jesus Christ actually told us before, well, during his time here on the earth in ministry, he actually told us that that is going to happen, that the church is going to be full of hypocrites. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse, uh, Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24. Jesus tells this parable. He says he, he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he left. You kind of get the picture here. And when the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. Any of us that have ever tried to grow a garden or have a yard, a lawn to take care of, we understand how this happens or that it happens. Verse 27 the landowner's slaves came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and gather them up, the slaves asked? No, he said, when you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. The good would come with the weeds. But verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, tie them in bundles to burn them, but store the wheat in my barn. So the question is, what is he talking about? And that's exactly what the disciples ask. If you go down just a little bit further in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 36, he explains. Then he, Jesus, dismissed the crowds. He went into the house. His disciples approached him and they said, explain the parable of the weeds in the field to us. Well, we don't understand what you were talking about here, Jesus. In verse 37, he replied, the one who sows the good is the son of man. That is a reference to Christ himself. The field is the world. And the good seed, there, uh, and the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. That's a reference to followers of Jesus Christ, Christians. The, the weeds are the sons of the evil one. That is those who are not following Christ. And the enemy sold them, who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. And they will, they will uh, throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, a reference to hell itself. Then, then the righteous shall shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone who has ears should listen. So this is, what, this, this is what we know. We know there are those 
who claim to have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, who are a part of the church and yet do not have a genuine saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Christ, he said, this is going to happen. This is the way it's going to be. Now, this is what we know so far, right? As we kind of settle in this morning, this is what we know so far. The church is made up of sinners. That would be all of us, all right? So in your little notes right there, you can write out to the side, that's me, sinners. So the church is full of sinners. Hypocrisy is a category of sin or a category of sinner in which we pretend to be something that we are not. We pretend to be something we are not. And some of those who pretend to be something that they are not, these hypocrites, they do not have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That much we know. But now watch. All of us, all of us that are here this morning need to be diligent to look into our own lives to root out any areas of hypocrisy that is beginning to grow in our own life. All of us should be quick, very quick, to look at our own lives and ask the question as we look at our lives, whether or not are there places of hypocrisy? Are there some things that I do? Are there some actions that I have or some attitudes that I have that I express that someone who is not a follower of Jesus Christ could look at my life and those actions and say, if that person claims to be a Christian and yet that is the way they consistently act, that is the way they consistently think, then why would I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Patterns in our life that are contrary to the claims of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Places where an unbeliever would look at our life and say, that's no different than me. So why should I want to be a Christian? Now, all of us know, listen, make sure I, you understand this. All of us know we're all sinners. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to make mistakes. And there are going to be unbelievers that are going to see those mistakes. We need to be fully aware of that. I'm talking this morning about some consistent patterns in our life. Now, just a little warning right here, because this is the place in the series where all of the amens turn into oh me's, all right? If you're hearing what I'm saying this morning, well, all the amens now become oh me's. Now, I want to give you a heads up. Do not, please do not have in your mind that person that you wish were here to hear this message, all right? And all of us, all of us are going to have somebody in our mind. I want us not to think about, uh, I want us to think, uh, this is not in terms of looking back in some ancient times and biblical times and saying, man, those people, were, those people were really hypocritical, right? I want us to bring this right into our own lives. I, I, I'm going to look this morning, I want us to look at seven characteristics of hypocrites. So I went and bought a, I went and bought a, a, a Psychology Today magazine, and they had a great article on this, so I'm going to share that with you this morning. Um, that is not true, all right? That's a joke. Um, this is not from Psychology Today. This is not from People Magazine. Uh, let's look at what Jesus says about hypocrisy. What Jesus says about hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 23. If the biggest, if you're here today and the biggest stumbling block to you coming to faith in Jesus Christ is that you know someone that you consider to be a hypocrite, I want you to know Jesus Christ saved his most harsh language when he had the conversations with the hypocrites. The strongest language of condemnation from Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry was not for a prostitute caught in the act. It was not for, it was not for a drunkard. It was, it was not for someone that had committed adultery that was caught in the act. It was for religious hypocrites. 
Those are the ones Christ consistently came down hard on. This, this passage we're going to look at this morning is some, some think of this as uh, that it was the final sermon Jesus preached. Now imagine this. This is your, this is your going away sermon. And seven times in this sermon, in Matthew 23, seven times he uses these words. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. The word woe is not so much, it's really not so much a word. It's really more of a heart cry of pain. It's a heart cry of, of anger. It was, a, it was an expression of despair, an expression of dissatisfaction. It was, it was always with an exclamation. Woe! And that is how Christ is speaking to these guys. It's not wishing judgment on hypocrisy. That is not what Christ is doing. He is certifying that they have already found themselves in that place. In other words, Jesus is now pronouncing the finality of their future due to their hypocrisy. And he is saying, woe to you. It's horrible for you. Keep, keep in mind, the Pharisees are the most religious people in their day. They're, they're the most involved people religiously in their day. These would be the best church attenders of their day. Please, Again, let's not fall into the trap of thinking this morning, well, if uh, this is for the Pharisees, then certainly it has no relevance to me because you and I, those of us gathered in a place like this today, we stand in the greatest place of danger of being just like these Pharisees. You see, our challenge is, is, is not to point out the greatest hypocrites in all of history. That is not our challenge this morning. We are to look at our own lives and to root out and to destroy wherever there is hypocrisy that is growing in our own lives, in our own hearts. Keep in mind, a hypocrite is someone who projects something outwardly that does not have a parallel in reality inwardly. Projecting something outwardly that does not have a parallel inwardly in their hearts. So as we dive into what Jesus says about hypocrisy in Matthew 23, please remember, these are not my words this morning. I didn't sit around and think of, hey, what, what are seven great things I can say about hypocrisy? I, I just said, what does Christ say about this? So here's the first characteristic, verse 13, Matthew 23, verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you lock up the kingdom of heaven from people, for you don't go in, and you do not allow those entering to go in. Here is the first. It is hypocritical to complicate salvation. It is hypocritical to complicate salvation. Salvation is very simple. It is very simple. It, it is not easy, but it is simple. It costs everything, but it is simple. Salvation is so simple, we know that a child can understand it. We just saw a child that had committed her life to Christ. Even a child can understand salvation, that we are sinners, that there is a God that loves us. And this loving God that we are separated from because of our sin has made a way for us to know him personally. And that is through his son, placing our faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said to these Pharisees, he said, you're not going into the kingdom of heaven yourselves. And by the way, you're also not letting others go in. A hypocrite makes this thing complicated. Hey, you got to take these five steps. You got to do you got to do these certain kinds of activity to be able to get in these various mechanisms or hoops that you're going to have to walk through. Hypocrites try to leverage people into a religion and out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is that is the first sign of a hypocrite. The plan of salvation is simple. 
The plan of salvation is simply repentance and faith. Repentance of my sin, doing things my way, controlling my own life, and placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith. And if anything is added to repentance and faith, that is hypocrisy. And that's what Christ is saying to these guys. Listen, you can be as good as gold your entire life on this earth and still go to hell when you die if you reject God's simple provision in his son, Jesus Christ. Matthew 23, verse 14. We don't want to make this, we don't, we don't want to complicate salvation. Matthew 13, uh, 23, verse 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you devour widows' houses and make long prayers just for show. This is why you will receive a harsher punishment. Here is the second characteristic. It is hypocritical to hurt people for personal gain. To hurt people for personal gain. The word devour there actually means to consume for personal gain. Widows, in that day and time, widows had the least resources and the greatest needs. So whenever you see that, you need, to, you need to kind of think, okay, these are, he's talking here about the people that have uh, the greatest needs but have the fewest resources. And what happens here is hypocrites get from people what they want, even people that they are taking advantage of. They get people uh, from people what they want, even if it hurts people. They're so consumed with, their, with themselves. It's about my situation and my needs and my plans and my wants and my desires and this is what I want. Self-centered. Let me, let me ask you something. I, I've wanted to do this uh, since I was a kid playing baseball. You know when you're a kid playing baseball in your backyard and you throw the ball over the fence of that neighbor? You know who that neighbor is, don't you? It's that neighbor that you do not go over the fence, through the fence, around the fence to go get the ball, all right? And it is that neighbor. So, so let me just ask you this morning, are you that neighbor in your neighborhood? I'm, I'm talking about the neighbor that is, that is vindictive. Are you self-serving? Are you, are you demanding? It's take, take, take. That's, that's the idea here Jesus is telling us. It's hypocrisy. Is there somebody that you have hurt that you need to go back to and you need to apologize and to make things right? Are there people in your family that you hate? Are there people in your family that you have hurt? Are there, are there people at work that you hate, and every chance that you get to be able to kind of stick it to them a little bit, you do that because you just can't stand them. That is hypocrisy. To come to church on a Sunday and seeing like everything is amazing, when on Friday you had just stabbed them in the back, or you were planning on Monday, if anything doesn't go your way, you're going to explode at the office, or you're going to stick somebody with it if you possibly can. That is the idea of hypocrisy. Getting something from someone to hurt someone. Verse 15, he goes on to say, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you, you travel over land and sea to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are. Can you believe Jesus said that? Not my Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus wouldn't say that. Je Jesus takes out the big guns on hypocrisy. This verse goes right to the heart, by the way, of any of us that have responsibility for teaching. Any of us that have responsibility for teaching. It is especially true for those who have the responsibility of teaching to do our best to live out that which we teach. For any of you that are Bible study teachers, this is especially true for us. It's verse 15. 
Listen, I, and I need to be quick to say, if I waited until I mastered everything that I preach before I preach, uh, you'd get a lot of repeats, okay? I'm not going to master everything that I preach before I preach it. I'm not saying the teacher has to be perfect before they teach on what God's Word has said, but there does need to be a pattern. There does need to be evidence of growth and sincerity on the part of the teacher with certainly an attempt to live out what is being taught. And that's true of any of us that have that responsibility. Number three, it is hypocritical to back out on any promise you don't want to keep. It is hypocritical to back out on any promise. Well, I'm committed and I will do it. When what I really mean is that I will do it if it works for me. When we make the promise and we have in our mind, well, I, I'm going I'm to commit to that. And what I mean is I'm going to commit to that as long as it works for me. This, I'll just tell you, this is probably the number one disappointment that I experience as a pastor. It's people who say they'll do things and not finish. People who say they'll do things and not follow through. I mean, everything is good for a while. Everything is good for a while, but now, now that's not what I want, or that's not the way that I want it. Now, now I don't like it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to back out on my promise because what I really promised is I would do it as long as it makes me happy. I will do it as long as it is what I want, but I'm going to take care of myself first. I've made some big commitments in my life. One savior for life. One wife for life. And so, so often, and all of us in this room know how this goes, so often that is, those commitments are tested. They get tested. And I, I try to make it very clear in every wedding that I do to the couple, listen, the promise you're making today certainly is to each other. That is absolutely true. But the bigger promise is that before God, that you are making these promises to God, that you're going to stay with this all the way through for life. And so hypocrites give their word and then they look for where is the exit door? Where is the place that I can get out and not really have to follow through on my word? And there are unbelievers that are always watching that are saying, that person, they'll, they'll tell you, but they back out hypocrisy. Verse 16, verse 16 says, Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever takes an oath by the sanctuary, it means nothing. But whoever takes an oath by the gold of the sanctuary is bound by his oath. And so what would happen is they would say, well, I swear by the temple. It's kind of like we, we know we go into a court of law and we put our hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, that kind of, well, in their day, they said, I would, I swear on the temple. And so a person would come by later on. They would say, well, you, you swore to do this. You swore by the temple, but now you are not following through. Now you are not doing what you said you would do. And they would say, yes, I swore by the temple, but I didn't swear by the gold on the temple, right? You get the idea. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 17. Kind of the same idea on the, on the altar and the sacrifice. Verse 17, blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the sanctuary that sanctified the gold? Verse 18, also, whoever takes an oath by the altar, it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gift that is on it is bound by his oath. That's what you guys are saying, he's saying. Blind people, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sacrifices the gift? Of course, neither are greater. Therefore, the one who takes an oath by the altar takes an oath by it and by everything on it. The one who takes an oath by the sanctuary takes an oath by it and by him who dwells in it. And the one who takes an oath by heaven takes an oath by God's throne and by him who sits on the throne. Now, this is, this is the deal. We're back in fifth grade right here. Remember fifth grade? I promise. 
right? And we got this behind our back. I promise. Yeah, I promised you I'd do that, but I had my fingers crossed behind my back when I said it. That's kind of the idea that he's giving here. That's, the, that's what they would do. Jesus is saying, listen, your word is your promise. You break any promises? You break promises to God? Oh, God, yes, I'll tithe. Oh, God, yes, I'll witness. Oh, God, yes, I'll serve. And then you break that promise. What about promises to your family? Oh, yes, honey, we're going to have a date night. Every Friday night, we're going to start this week. This week comes, but I got something else a little more important now, so we back out of the promise. Guys that are in the room today, listen to me. Keep your word. We, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a thousands of promise keepers 20 years ago. And I'm afraid if I sat down with many of those wives whose husbands came home all fired up about the husband they were going to be, what they would tell me is those promise keepers have become promise breakers. And now we have some issues that are in our home. You make promises to your children. You make promises to your friends, guys. They keep them. Not to keep them is hypocrisy. Number four, it is hypocritical to make a big deal out of small things while ignoring the important. Taking some things, blowing them up. You do that at work? Do you do that at home? Do you do that at church? I'm just going to blow this up. Look at verse 23. That's what he's talking about. Woe to you, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin. And what, what those are, there's three garden spices, which, by the way, are actually not considered to be a part of the produce of the family, so they didn't even have to be, it didn't require a tie that wasn't necessary. And so the picture Jesus is drawing here is a Pharisee who takes a mint plant, if you've ever seen a mint plant, a little small plant, and being so focused on his self-righteous minutiae and counting out his precise obedience. One for me, no, one for God, nine for me. And so we're counting out the little leaves that are there and then patting him back, patting himself on the back and saying, oh, aren't I a good boy? That's, that's the idea that is here. Jesus is saying, fine, fine, tithe on that, yes. But these things, these things you should have done, verse th- uh, 20, uh, 23, the last part of verse 23, yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faith. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Whatever you do, Jesus said, yes, do the tithe thing. Get, yeah, fine, do that. But don't miss the weight of your matters. Justice. That is doing what is right. You have a big decision you have to make this week? Do what is right. Second, mercy. In all that you do, there should be compassion toward people. Then there is faith. I think a better translation of that here is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Just keep going. Don't quit now. Stay in there. Determine to make this next year. Determine to make this next year your best year spiritually ever. Our our next series coming out of 2 Timothy, we're going to talk about that and talk about finishing well. We're not going to coast across the finish line at Clearview. How do you finish well? I'm praying. I'm pushing 2013. Oh God, make it the best year spiritually ever in the life of this church, in the life of Clearview. Jesus is saying, listen, don't lose sight of the big picture. Don't, don't get lost in the minutiae. Go ahead and tithe on the mint. Man, that, that's, that's good. Do that. But get the big stuff right for heaven's sake. 
Well, you know, I've mentioned, I've memorized four verses of Scripture. And I've done this thing, and I've done that thing, and, and I'm studying over here, and I'm doing that. Yeah, but are you doing what's right? Are, are you loving people? Are you staying faithful? Are you staying in the game? Are you being faithful to what God's called us to do? Verse 24, he goes on to say, Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, yet gulp down a camel. Now, that's, that's supposed to be funny, actually, in their society. It was funny. You strain out, you know, the little tiny gnats, the little bugs you can hardly see, but... So you, you take all the time, pick around the gnats, now you're ready to eat, and when you go to eat, you got this big fat camel sitting right in the middle of the plate in the middle of the plate. That's the idea. We say, well, that's ridiculous. And yet we do that. We get ourselves all worked up about the most foolish things, the dumbest little things. We're the ones that come in with a harsh attitude toward nitpicky things while missing out completely on the things that God has called us to have a passion for. For example, those that live around us, we work with, those people that do not know Jesus Christ, lost people, we talked last week about hell, the people that are bound for hell, we get all worked up over the nitpicky stuff, but it's the big stuff. While we swallow the camel, as long as Satan can keep us focused on the petty things he wins. We get so worked up over the craziest little insignificant things. We do that in church. We do that in our homes. Christ says, that's, that's, well, that's hypocrisy. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so the outside of it may also become clean. Number five, it's hypocrisy to be lazy in matters of the heart. We are so concerned about how things appear on the outside and so lazy when it comes to dealing with matters of the heart. So the tough question is this. What are you like when no one is looking? Be honest with yourself, because you're the only one that knows. So what are you like when no one is looking? Who are you when no one sees? No one is ever going to know, because that's who you really are. Everything else is pretend. Everything else is a show. We work so hard on what is going to be seen. We are so lazy about the things that are not seen. One example of a lazy heart, did you hear a message like this? And not even the least bit convicted. I've been convicted in the preparation of it. So where, where, where are you this morning? That leads me to the next one, number six. It's hypocritical to look good to others no matter what the cost. Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. What would happen to be in Jerusalem, it would come time for the Passover, you would be ceremonially unclean if in any way you touched 
a tomb, which most times is something, a rock or something, uh, sort of a cave. And so if you, you didn't realize it, maybe you kind of lean up against it or something. You're ceremonially unclean. Once that happens, you could not participate in the Passover. And so what they would do is they would go before the Passover, they would have all of the tombs whitewashed. You would paint them white. So everybody would know, clearly marked, these are tombs. And on the inside of the tombs that are white on the outside, all of us would know, well, there, there's still bones inside of there, right? Jesus said, that's you guys. On the outside, you're, you're looking good, but on the inside, it's all messed up. Question. What bothers you more? Arriving at church with your hair out of place or arriving at church with a heart that is unprepared for worship? What bothers you more? Seeing your children misbehave, someone else seeing your children misbehave? Or God seeing the disobedience in your own heart, in your own life? What bothers you more, really? The stain on your shirt? Or the stain on your heart that comes from bitterness, or greed, or anger? What bothers you more? It's been three weeks since you bought that new thing and nobody has complimented you? Or it's been three weeks since the last time that you could say, I've had a very intimate time with my heavenly father. Number seven. It's hypocritical pretending to be better than others, no matter what the evidence. Verse 29 Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. And this is what's going on. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were going around. They would decorate the tombs of Solomon and David and Ruth and so on. And others, they're, they're putting up plaques. And they'd decorate those, those tombs. And as they were doing it, they make a little speech. In verse 30 was, was the speech. And you say, if we had lived... You can just hear, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we wouldn't have taken part with them in shedding the prophet's blood. What are they saying? I would never do that. I would never do that. That is the essence of hypocrisy. To somehow think that I am too superior to others, not capable of sinning in the same way that others sin, nose in the air, condescending comments toward those that are around me. That is the essence of hypocrisy. I'm sitting here thinking, oh no, I'm struggling in every area here. What am I going to do? Here's where Jesus shows his heart. Look at verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, she who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Well, how often I wanted to gather your, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, yet you were not willing. Christ says, I, I desire to have this, relate, this intimate relationship with you as he does with us. You know, the one thing that will knock hypocrisy in the head is simply a genuine, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. You see what he says? He says, how often I wanted to gather you. And you say, well, what if I don't repent? What if I don't repent? Verse 38. See? Your house then is left to you desolate, which is a prediction of the destruction of the temple. But I'll just ask you this morning, where is the temple today? The scripture clearly says the temple is me. It's you. It's where the Holy Spirit resides. 
And so if we don't root out this hypocrisy in our life, then what we are left with is a, is a desolate, dark, cold life. And then there are those of you that have never come to Christ in repentance and faith, like we have talked about this morning, and your reason is that because most Christians you know act like something other than what they say they are. And I, I want to ask you to just think about something with me for a second. Jesus handpicked 12 guys to do ministry with him for the three and a half years that he was here on earth. And in that mix of 12 guys, there was the most famous hypocrite in all of history, a guy by the name of Judas, who sold Christ out for 30 pieces of silver. And I got to think about that. He, he walked with Christ. He walks with these other 11 guys for three and a half years. They do ministry together. He hears everything Christ teaches. He, he sees all the miracles that Christ does. And these other 11 guys at the end, they watch Judas sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the greatest act of betrayal and hypocrisy in the history of mankind. And yet, of those 11 who remained, all but one gave his life, gave his life for his faith. The one wound up being in exile at the end of his life, but they did not allow the behavior and the claims of one guy to hold them back from completely selling out their life to Jesus Christ. 